How are you this morning? How are you feeling? Cold. Cold. <laughs> Wrap up a bit warmer. Yeah, I feel the cold too. Thinking this morning uh, before the, the meeting was upstairs just praying and I saw uh, Moses and um, the scripture that talks about his face shining and it, he'd been in the, temp, in the tabernacle, he'd been up the mountain with God and if you like being in God's presence as intimately as he was began to affect him so much so that the glory shone and when he came down the people could see this um, image of glory coming from him. Moses' face shone with the glory of God. You know you can only reflect the glory of the one in whose presence that you are. You can only reflect his glory if you're in his presence. That's quite a challenge as I see it because we're in so many other peoples and circumstances that we reflect that. We reflect the culture that we're from. Doesn't matter who we are, where we're from, what culture, we reflect it. We have lots of different cultures, even in our own country now, but the idea is that when you meet with certain people, they reflect the culture they're from. You reflect the environment in which you live. We're a reflection of. And the Bible is showing us clearly that there's a place with God, that there's a encounter with God where we can be so much with him that we begin to reflect the glory of him who we've been with. A lot of people, I guess, will have thought to themselves somewhere along the line, a little bit like the children of Israel who were standing at the bottom of the mountain as, as Moses goes up into the cloud and he goes into the fire and he goes into the earthquake and he walks straight up into the presence of God and the people stood far off. They were afraid to go in. And I wonder whether there's an element of that that we're afraid to get too close to God. And I was, I was immediately reminded of a verse which is in the book of Zechariah chapter 3. And it's about a priest who has mucked it up. You know, they do. If you hadn't known that, priests can really mess it up. Vicars, pastors, whatever word you want to give to them, they can really mess it up. But just let's take that sort of side of it away for a moment, his position. And the scripture says, then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and look what it says, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. How many of you have got this sort of, when it comes to being close to God, when it comes to intimacy with God, we have this almost like the Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. 
That's his, one of his titles. How many of us have this sense of, well, who am I? I'm no good. I, I'm not a very good Christian. I'm not this. Who do you think it is who's standing at your right hand to oppose you? We have access to the Father, but look what's happening here. Here, right in the presence, when he's even got the chance to be face to face with God, the devil is still trying to oppose him. If you think that once you come to church and you start worshipping God, that that's the end of, you know, the enemies, he will oppose us for a very good reason. Because he knows what's on the other, he knows what's to come. He knows what's about to happen. He knows what can happen to a human being when standing before the face of God. And he will oppose that and oppose it even till the last step. But look what the next verse says. Verse 2. And the Lord said to Satan, so immediately God will deal with him. Every opposition, every accusation, every lie of the enemy, he will deal with him. It says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is, the, is this not a brand plucked from the fire? He looks at Joshua, the high priest, and he says, isn't this one who I have chosen? Isn't this one who belongs to me? Do you see yourself as one who has been chosen, one who belongs to him? If you don't, maybe that's the accuser standing by you, still saying you're not worthy, you're not good enough. Look at the next verse. It is really so important on this. See, when we come here, when you go to church and, and we begin to worship, there was a moment this morning as we was worshipping when we just were hearing some music and we had the opportunity. We weren't singing words. We weren't looking at a screen. We just were in the presence of, of God and we could either enter in. Entering in doesn't just mean singing songs. It means there's an atmosphere of his presence. Music is playing. Our hearts can join in with that and almost like face-to-face -face encounter him. Or we can just, oh, when's the words going to come up? When's there something I can sing? I don't know how to do this. And I want to say that to you. That's absolutely true. You probably don't know how to encounter him. How to step into. But I'll guarantee this, that everything will stop you from getting there till the last minute, even Joshua the high priest was right before the father and Satan was still standing there, prodding him, pushing him. You don't know what you're doing. That sounds like a football chant, sorry. but <laughs> Not saying the devil's behind football chants, but some of them may be. <laughs> but what does it say? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. So Joshua's not clean. Joshua's not perfect. He hasn't got there before God because he's right. And if we're waiting to be right, if we're waiting for something kind of special and powerful and significant to happen, to make us feel in some kind, kind of way worthy to be before God, 
then we're in trouble. The real people who can come before him, who those come as they are. Because what's about to happen to Joshua is the only way can we can be transformed. The, the next verse says this. Verse 4. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. You can't do it. You can't take. There are things that you have done, things that you have said, things that you believe about yourself, things that you think that can never be changed. You cannot change that. But we stand before one who can rewrite the history book. He can rewrite the history book. Do you remember when Jesus was with the disciples and they were talking often to the Pharisees and Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. What a strange thing for him to say. But he was saying, I, I was, whatever's happening now, I was writing this history even back then. We read in Revelation, the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. This happened at the cross where the lamb of God was slain for us. But the Bible says even before creation, he rewrites history so that we can, sta we can stand before him with all the accusations, with all the self-doubt, self loathing or whatever else there is that goes with it and he says see I've removed your iniquity I've done that and now like the next verse and I'm, I'm going to sort of leave this story for a moment after that the next verses and he said let them put a clean turban on his head so they put a clean turban on his head and they put clothes on him and the angel and the, and the angel of the Lord stood by that represents new thinking. The turban represents new thinking. When you've been and had an encounter with God, your thinking will change. It will change. You won't think the same way as you've always thought. So I want to just take you into, um, well, not so much the whole parable, just a parable that the Bible gives to us called the parable of the sower has anybody heard of that parable before yeah so the parable of the sower is it says a man goes out and sows the seed and some seed falls on hard grounds and some seed falls on stony ground and some seed falls on shallow ground and some seed falls on good ground that's what you'll read in if you go through Matthew chapter 13 Verses 3 to 8. That's the parable. I actually think it should have been called the parable of the seed. Or even better, the parable of the word of God. Because what's happened is, as we read the interpretation that even Jesus himself gives in Matthew 13, then verses 18 to 23, he seems to be alluding to the fact that the different types of ground are like a different kind of heart, a different stage of heart. Like the hard ground is like a hard heart and the word of God comes and it, has no, it, got, it can't get in because our hard hearts. 
And then it falls on the shallow ground and he's saying what happens there is like the word of God can come but it can't take root because our opinions and our thoughts and our beliefs get in the way and it falls on rocky ground and, and it gets entangled with weeds and everything else and he says the word can't get in there because you're worried about everything else that's going on in your life. And at, this, and at that moment, you start to think, oh God, you're saying something about my heart, about the condition of my heart. I want you to catch something really important about this parable. What you should pick up from this parable is the thing that changes everything is the word of God. That's what you should be picking up from this parable. I need the word of God. Even if it has to fall on my hard heart, I need the word of God. Even if, I, if I'm shallow at times, I need the word of God. It's the only thing that can change me. That's how you have to read this parable. In uh, Matthew 13, verses 20 and 21, this is why those different types of ground make it clear it's about the word of God. Just watch this. Matthew 13, and it's verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony ground, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So here you are this morning and you're going, and I can hear people going, oh yeah, yeah, you're receiving it with joy. I like this word. He's telling us that the word of God can change things. I like this word. You're receiving it with joy. But the next verse says this. Yet he has no root in himself, but he endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, but what's the next few words? Because of the word. Immediately stumbles. What's happening in our lives is God wants to give you a word that can transform you, that can heal you, that can set you free, that can equip you, that can encourage you, that can set you on fire for God. All of these things, some of you are sat there going, I don't want any of that. That's fine, just don't worry about that just yet. But what you need is a word that can come into your life, into every circumstance and situation. And he's saying that when my word comes, persecution will come, because of the word, not because of you. See, what we think is, oh, it's all going wrong because I'm, I'm not a very good person. It's not working because I'm not a good person. No, the enemy wants to steal the word because he knows if you dare to believe that word, he's in trouble. That's what he knows. And if you dare to believe the word of God, Oh my word, just what on earth might happen if you do? John 6 verse 68 says this, Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, to who else can we go? You have words of eternal life. You know, I wish Pete, that Jesus was living in our day. I really wish he was living in our day. Well, he is in you and me. But... Can you imagine what it was like to be with someone that whatever he said came to pass? He just spoke and people got healed. It's, it was just incredible what happened when Jesus was around. And I think that we need to be like Moses, so much around that that same glory comes from us. 
That same glory comes from us. Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. It, it, again, this is just, what I'm trying to do is show you the significance, the importance and the power of the word of God. What Peter saw was, when you speak Jesus, those words, they're eternal life to me. In Deuteronomy it says this, He humbled you, allowed you to get hungry, fed you with manna, which you did not know, your, father, your fathers did not know, that, he might, that you might know that you will live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus says, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. In the Old Testament, he says, we live by every word that comes from your mouth. I'm beginning to put something together here for you. The word of God, that's what God says, is the very thing that has the power to produce something in your life. It's the very thing to transform something that's happening in your life. We can seek, seek other sources, other means, other ideas, but there's a word of God over your life, over your circumstances, that is a word of full of life that can change things. The Bible's telling us that life or living is the effect of the word that he speaks. Psalm 107 verse 20, which I don't need you to find, simply says, he sent forth his word and healed them. That's in the Psalms, that's Old Testament. He sent forth his word and healed them. Are any of you sick this morning? Has a word been sent from heaven to heal you? Because if he sends it, healing is on its way. He sent forth his word and healed them. Genesis 1 verse 3. Let's give you a picture of this word of God, what it's like. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. He said it. He just spoke. Let there be light. And what happened? And there was. That's the kind of power that is in a word that's waiting for you. The same power that could say, let there be light, and there was. Just so you get the full picture of this, John 1, verses 1 to 3. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, through the Word. And without Him, Nothing was made that was made. How did everything come into being? By what he said. Just so you get that clearer picture even more, Hebrews 11.3 says this, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed, everything was made by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, I want to just ch challenge you with an, a thought here because this is, this is where your level of faith will come into real challenge. When God created everything, he didn't create it from elements. He didn't create it from metal that already existed or atoms or anything like that. 
what he said came into being. That's what the Bible is trying to tell us. That's really hard for our scientific brains to get hold of. That's what it says in Hebrews. Things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So he only had to say, let there be. And something in his words brought it into being. So if you're waiting for this circumstance to change, this circumstance to change, this circumstance, your body to go through this process or this process, thank God we've got so many processes that we can go through. But what I'm saying to you is there is a word that doesn't need all of that to come and change you. There's a word from God, the same word which brings things into being from things that don't exist can speak into your life and bring into being something. Anybody who's ever been born again, that means become a Christian, has received Christ into their life, you will know that elation, that experience of sensing somewhere inside you that everything has changed, that you are now forgiven, that you're now a son or a daughter of the living God. You can't put it into words to your mates down the factory. They don't know what you're talking about. You can't put it into words to the people you went drinking with. They don't understand it. But you know something has changed inside you. And you know that we are born again. The Bible says we're born again by the Word of God. The Word of God makes something that can't be seen, can't have a physical or a scientific way of producing it. It just happens because the Word has been spoken. And we become sons and daughters of God. The parable makes sense like this. That the ground has an impact on the Word of God. The condition of the heart, if you like, has an impact on the Word of God. But the Word of God is the most powerful of the things. The heart can change. The ground can change. In, Matthew, sorry, in Mark 7, verse 13, it said, Jesus said, because of your traditions, you've made the Word of God of no effect. Just bear with me a second on that. You don't have any traditions, do you? Oh, yeah, you do. A tradition is the way I think things should be. The way I think good is or bad is or right is or wrong. That's your traditions, the way you've been brought up. But your traditions can make the word of God of no effect. That's why they wouldn't go up the mountain, because they didn't feel worthy. But Moses went straight up. I said to Nick this morning when we were upstairs praying and we were seeing this image of Moses up in the mountain, I said, he went up there. What did he get when he was up there? Anybody know what he received when he was up the mountain with God? One is Ten Commandments. What's that? That's the words of God. Does anybody else know what he got up there? Hmm. The dimensions of how to build the tabernacle. He got them up there. But he received it all as words from God. But I want you to hear this. He is stood in the very presence of God 
And God's telling him, well, let me give you some ways in which people can come and stand before me. So he gives them the Ten Commandments and he gives them the tabernacle. I can imagine Moses going, what's the point of giving them that? We can come. He's there. Moses is there. Moses hasn't come through obeying all the Ten Commandments. Moses hasn't come through going, approaching the tabernacle properly and coming under the priesthood. He stood with God. And that's the invitation to us. Sometimes our traditions tell us you can only come if you feel good enough, if you're right. But Moses went straight up through it all. There's a word of God for your life that can transform it, that can change it, that can heal it, that can deliver it. And it's simple. Am I prepared to hear what God has to say? So I'm asking that to you this morning and you on Facebook too. Am I prepared to hear what God wants to say to me? Am I prepared to allow the word of God to bring forth fruit in my life? Deuteronomy 28 verse 13. Look at this for a verse. I don't know what you think of this, but I love this verse. Deuteronomy 28 verse 13. It says, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Isn't that a great, great, this is a promise from God. This is the word of God for you. He'll make you the head and not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath if you heed the commandments of the Lord which he commands you today and be careful to observe them. God's timing for you is to bring you out of your circumstances which you're under and bring you over them. His time for you is to stop that you're the tail that's always at the back, always being left behind, always, and make you the head. His time for something to change is coming for you. But there's lots of different ways we can hear this word, so I'm going to simplify this for you as we, as we draw to a close. There's three basic ways to hear a word from God. So if the word from, word from God is the same word that brought everything into being that's that's pretty awesome anyway is the word that he wants to give to you that can change everything how do we hear it number one through the bible that's one absolutely perfect way read your bible just read it i've had lots and lots and millions and times when god has spoke to me as i've read the bible as I've read the Bible, I've just, or even just thought about the Bible, a verse has come to mind and I've thought, that is just what I need today. I don't know how many years ago it was, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, Yvonne and I went up to Sheffield and we, we were involved in a church up there for three years. And I remembered seeking God about going to Sheffield. So every time I read the Bible... I, I couldn't find the word Sheffield anywhere in it, you know. I thought, so, surely, you know, Sheffield, I don't know. There's got to be a way of, you know, converting this Bible to say, go to Sheffield, you know. And it wasn't, so I, so I got a Hebrew lexicon out. Is there a Hebrew word that's the same as Sheffield? And there wasn't, you know. And... Uh, concordance with all the words in and got to the S's and the SH and there was no Sheffield in there. 
So how do I hear from God? So I'm reading one day, I'm reading one day. And just to turn my Bible over and it says, wherever you go, I'll be with you. And I knew, I knew at that moment. I didn't have to have the word Sheffield. I could have been going to Spain, I could have been going to whatever. I knew he was saying, wherever you are, I'll be there. And that was enough for me. Absolutely enough for me. And we went and God blessed us and God blessed our family and saved my, my, sort of my father's side of the family. Many of them came to know the Lord when we went up there. It was, it was, it was lovely. It was the right time for us to go. And then we came back. It's all right. But then, you know, I've heard many people say, Oh, Lord, you've, you've got to ask the Lord if you should go to this shop. You've got to, you know going to move house is this the house lord you know and there is an element sometimes where people are so bound with not doing the wrong thing i don't want to do the wrong thing and yet i see these verses in the scripture say whatever's in your heart you can do it wherever you go i'll be with you but not sheffield no he didn't say that because who is he with? He's with me. It's like, I'm just going to say this, but don't think anything wrong by it. No, no. Going out with a, a lovely young girl called Yvonne. <laughs> and, oh, did you hear that then? That might be the microphone going, I don't know. Um, it was like, should I, should I go out with this girl? Should I marry this? I was brought up this way. I was brought up, you have to ask God every, about everything. You know? I remember hearing a guy called Bill Johnson once. He was approached by somebody in his church. And somebody in his church says, I just want to know, you know, if this is the right person I've got to marry. And he said, do you like her? What? Do you like her? Yeah. Go on then. So it gets... You know, the traditions, the things that we think stop us just... And he was like, no, you know, you want, want to move house? Yeah, okay. So going, where would you like to go? Well, where do you want me to go? Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, the things that we get really hung up on that, seem, that we think God is really bothered about, he kind of says, I love you, and you're amazing. You know, if you want to do this, do it. Because wherever you are, I'll be with you. That was so redeemingly setting free for me at that time. So one way you can hear is from the Bible, the Word of God. Second way, and I think this is probably the most important way, is having a relationship with Jesus. Now I don't mean just going to church or reading your Bible. I mean you know him. You know him. You have a, 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 a you know, you can be walking along and you're talking to him. Maybe in an imagination. If you're doing it out loud, you might get some strange looks, but you know. All right, um, but you're driving your car, you walk, and you're just talking to him. Lord, you know, you just I could do with your help today. And you just the thoughts that's going through your mind, but it's like communion, communion with him, it's talking with him. And those of you who've ever done that will find he talks back, but almost like just in your thoughts, not like with thus, you know. It's, it's not quite like that. It's just like you sometimes just get a simple thought that comes back. 
And that's another way the word of God comes. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is, is um, Hagar, who was Abram's concubine, they called it. And she has a son. And, uh, yeah, Ishmael. And he, he begins to grow up. And uh, Abram's wife, Sarah, gets very jealous of Ishmael and, and Hagar. And they throw her out into the wilderness. And they go into the wilderness and she's... Been there. I don't know how many days they're there, but she sits down in, by a rock and set, sets her son opposite her, and they've got no water left. And, that, and she says, I'm just here to watch him die. And then God appears. Not in a Bible. Not in a meeting. He just appears to her in the desert, in the middle of her troubles, in the middle of a situation that is desperate and hopeless. And then he says this to her, I love this, he says, I heard the voice of the child. I didn't hear you. Because she was not interested in God one bit. If you read the story, she said to herself. Not she said to God. She wasn't interested in God one bit. But the child cried. And God heard the child and came down and said to her, Hey, I've heard him crying. And I want you to know I'll be with you and I'll be with him and I'll bless you. Now what verse is that... um, she said, what verse in the Bible is that, God? It wasn't a verse in the Bible. It was God there, face to face. If you don't know that kind of relationship, it's a great one. And then the third way that happens is what we call prophecy. That's where somebody else might speak God's word over you, into your life. And that's happened lots of times for me. People have spoken to my life. It's happened lots of times where I've spoken into other people's lives. It's a great way to, to get to the Word of God. Last couple, few scriptures, let me just give these to you. Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18. Nick, if you can find that for me. It's a, Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18. How precious also are your thoughts to me. How great the sum of them. If, it should, if I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand when I awake, I'm with you. So how many are his thoughts? How many things has he got to say over you? Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. But we read earlier, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. How many of them have you heard? He's thinking a lot of them. He's probably saying a lot of them. But how many are you hearing? Romans, sorry, Philippians 4, verse 19. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. There is not one thing, for those of you who are watching, for those of you who are here, there's not one thing that God's not interested about you. All your needs. He has a word over. And when he speaks, that thing is about to change. Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. I thought that was only in the New Testament, that verse. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. I thought that was just New Testament. 
but it's actually in the Old Testament. It comes from a story in the Old Testament. Joseph, when he has been sold as a slave, gone through everything he gets through, and he, get, he eventually gets into Egypt and gets promoted, and then his brothers come to see him, and they don't recognize him, right? And he says these words. He says, you meant it to, e meant it to me for evil, but God meant it to me for good. All things work together for good. That's where this comes from. Joseph had the reality of the experience. It was, everything was going wrong. You were doing this. You had this plan for my life. You, had, you thought, saw me this way. You planned this way. But God had other plans. All things work together for good. You might not be in the bit of the good. You might be in the working together stage where he's bringing it about. Final verse then, and we're going to close with this, which is Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. So the parable of the sower was what? It's the parable of the word of God. It's the parable where God's word is being thrown out into our lives. What, for what reason? To produce fruit. Oh, just for those of you who, who are um, familiar with that parable. The very last ground says, and some fell on good ground. That's in the parable. It says some fell on good ground. But then it says this, and it produced some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. So even in the good ground, even in the good ground, we might not get everything we thought. But I love this, Isaiah says this, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That's what we know happens with rain. It produces something in the ground so we can have bread. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God's word comes for a reason into your life. Even this morning, the challenge has been God's got a word for you and your circumstance, every one of you. God's got a word for you, and, it can, and he will not send it back I actually think it's more than a word. I think it's rain. As the rain comes down and the snow comes down, it's not one drop, is it? So shall my word be. I don't think his word comes down just in one little drip. I think it comes down in an abundance. I think he has much to say over you and much to say over me. Just to encourage you, we've, we've sort of been meeting on a Tuesday night and we we do pray for one another. We hear God's word over one another. You're always welcome to that. 7.30 on a Tuesday. You're always welcome. If you're struggling to hear what God is saying, just come along. We, we don't, we'll just spend a few minutes and ask God. And there'll be something he wants to say over you. Something that is like Jesus said. The words I speak to you, they're spirit and they're life. Something that wants to produce in your life. 
Thank you very much this morning. God bless you guys for spending some time here with God.